Welcome to the Nation's Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. If you have a Bible, let's turn to the book of Acts. I I am doing my best in life to only preach from the book of Acts forever. That's not true, but I, but I, I do believe that we need the power of God more than we've ever needed the power of God before. The world is getting wilder by the day. The headlines are getting crazier by the day. But how many know that the government, and I'm talking about the world, I'm not speaking politically, I'm just saying the Bible says the government's upon His shoulders. So everything that we're facing, God is still in control. He's not playing catch up. He's ahead of it. He's strong. He's mighty. And of His kingdom, there'll be no end. And I believe one of the key ways for the kingdom of God to go forward is when the church is full of the Holy Spirit and full of the anointing of God. And and so I've just felt God been speaking to me a little bit lately uh, about some of our some of our heritage as to who we are as, can I call this, charismatic Pentecostals. I don't know if you're Pentecostal in the house, but, but I think you are because when you walk in here, you can feel the power of God. When they started singing Cornerstone on you, I was Pentecostal this morning. My right leg started to go. But this is what I wanted to say to you. We're called Pentecostals, not because of a denomination, not, not because of what it might say on a website, about what we believe. We're actually Pentecostals because we believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost, which I'll read in just a moment, we believe that that is available for us today and that we can have what happened on that day of Pentecost. We're called Pentecostals because the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. If He fell at Christmas, we'd be Christmacostals. But we're... But we are Pentecostals. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I believe that the church that, that, that Jesus established was powerful. And well, I don't, the Bible's so clear about that. But I also believe that Jesus is not coming back for a church less powerful than the one he established. I believe the church that Jesus is coming back for is going to be alive with the power of God, shaking nations under the hand of God. I reckon it's going to be a church like this one, full of the Spirit of God. But man, Nations, what a, what a church. Anyway, I've got to read the Scriptures. Otherwise, we might, we might be late to lunch. And, and uh, I want to go to Miss Maud's. Acts chapter 1. <laughs> you all laugh like, oh, but if you all were invited, you'd go. You'd love it. <laughs> you'd hit that smorgasbord and just do what the Apostle Paul says, buffet my body daily. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to read quick. If you've got a Bible, turn with me. If you've got an iPhone, turn with me. If you've got a Samsung, just leave that in your bag. And uh, <laughs> nah, it just takes too long to boot up. We just <laughs> Don't you love that one person on staff that still has a Samsung? Which keeps us all on WhatsApp because they won't go over to iPhone. Anyway, I'm getting... I'm, sorry to everyone in Bunbury. Acts chapter 1, 4. Acts 1 verse 4. And being assembled together... He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptised in water, but you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I love verse 8. You've all read it before, I'm sure. He says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come 
upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Or witnesses to me in, in Perth, in WA, in, in Australia, to the ends of the earth. Or during COVID in Perth, in WA, and Perth, and WA, and Perth, and WA, and Perth again. Because you weren't allowed to leave and we weren't allowed in. And I was actually meant to come and preach during one of your conferences. And on the day of, Brother McGowan said, no, you cannot come. And uh, I, I didn't. I sat at home and wept. <laughs> and just preached to my teddy bears at home. Acts chapter 2. Let's turn right. Uh, page 963. And it says this in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. I was just meditating on this yesterday. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just put on my heart. Why don't you just say to the people, has your day of Pentecost fully come? He said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, this is my favourite passage, Pastor Ken, in the whole Bible. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house. I love that. You know, if the power of God fills the whole house today, it doesn't just touch this room. It touches every room right across Nations Church. It touches every kid in, in heroes, in, 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 every, in every room in the building for the musicians that are out the back smoking at the moment in between services. God can even reach them. I'm joking. It's not just, it's not, the musicians aren't doing that. It's just the singers. And, and it says... It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared under them divided tongues as of fire. The Bible says one sat upon each of them. Yeah. That, 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 that is so important because it's telling you and I that the fire of God is for every believer. Not, not just some, not just for the rowdy people, not just for the people with the big personality. The Holy Ghost is for every believer. And, and then he says, and they were all filled again. I'm believing God that every person, I'm sure if you said to Pastor, Pastor Ken and, and Pastor Chrissy, is your desire for this uh, to come to pass in the church, they would say a resounding yes. And it's simply this, that the whole church would be full of the Holy Ghost. There's thousands of people in Nations Church and it'd be great if every one of those thousands of people were baptised in the Holy Spirit and knew the fullness of the power of God. And the Bible goes on to say they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability or the utterance. When God established, when Jesus established the early church, He established the early church in the power of God. They, their, their first church service, they were speaking in tongues. They were, they, they were so full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, people were saying, uh, you're drunk in the Holy Spirit. They, well, they, they didn't say Holy Spirit, they just said you're drunk. And Peter says, they're not drunk like you think they're drunk. They're drunk, but they've been drinking something that, 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 that'll bless them, that, 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 that'll help them. And, and they've been drinking of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he starts... He starts talking about uh, the power of God and he says, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel that will come to pass. In the last day, he says, God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he does an altar call, 3,000 people get saved. This is the pattern of the early church. And, and I believe it's a pattern we can believe God for in our day to day. That God wants you and I so anointed with the Spirit of God that we can do supernatural things. He can take our natural and put some super on our natural, this, this early church, it was a Pentecostal church. So, so if, if you didn't like it and you thought, I'm done, I need something more chill, I, this Jerusalem nation's campus, 
It's stressing me out. They're speaking in tongues last week. I tried to get to church. I couldn't. There was a guy out the front walking, leaping, praising God. Couldn't even get in. It's driving me crazy. It's full on. I mean, the pastor went to jail the other day and he didn't even, he didn't even legally escape. He just prayed. There was an earthquake out. He got, I'm done. I, I, want to be in a, I want to be in a serious church. I want to be in something more stable. This Jerusalem church is too wild. You know, if you wanted to leave the Jerusalem church for something else, well, there wasn't one. That was it. You just had to go to that one. And if you didn't like that, you could, I guess you could move to Corinth and join that church. But that church was even more, they were weird. Paul had to tell them, you're speaking in tongues too much. I speak in tongues all the time, but you guys just need to chill. And then, then you've got the church, uh, was it the Philippian church? They, 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 were, they, they didn't have any money, but they, they were a faith church. And they were constantly receiving offerings and giving to the things of God and funding evangelism. They were, they were the crazy faith people over there. And then, then, then if that's not enough, the church at Ephesus, poor old Timothy's pastoring the church. And, and that guy's dealing with all kinds of challenges, fear and worry. And Paul would write to him, stir up the gift that's in you. Uh, stay full of the Holy Spirit. And so the Ephesian church, I mean, they were wild Holy Ghost people. There, there wasn't a conservative church. So if you go and find conservative now and then look at it, maybe what you're seeing today going, man, that's a bit of a departure from traditional Christianity. It's actually the complete opposite. This is traditional Christianity. I mean, that early church walking, leaping, praising God, full of faith and full of the power of God. And I, I believe God wants to breathe again on the church in our nation from Perth to Broome to Darwin to... That's enough. To Wangara in the name of Jesus. Oh man, I'm just so pumped to be in this church, you know. I've been looking forward to this for eight years. Pentecostals, I want to give you four core convictions of a Pentecostal. Four, four things that every Pentecostal believes. And I'm believing God that this will stir some faith in people's heart. By the way, it's good to be in the nine o'clock service because the Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost fell at the nine o'clock service. He, 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 never, he, ne, he never fell at the 11. Uh, they're all, they're all just waking up. Meanwhile, we're just going to have revival here and see what God wants to do. But, but there, there, are, there are four core convictions of a Pentecostal. Four things. I mean, there's, there's a lot more. So these aren't, there's only four because we, we need, we, again, we've we got reservations, Miss Maud. So there would be six if lunch wasn't as exciting as Miss Maud's, but there's four today. And uh, if I keep talking, it'll be three. And, uh, but four core convictions of a spirit-filled believer. Number one, Pentecostals. Number one, we believe the whole Bible. We believe it all. Before, before you, you, can, you can build it, you can't build your theology on a book you don't believe in. You can't build doctrine on a book that may or may not be uh, something that you hold to, but we believe the whole Bible. We, we believe the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by the, the inspiration, the breath of God. We believe, we believe the whole Bible. We, we believe, I believe it from Genesis to the book of Maps. I believe the whole thing. We believe in the whole Bible. We, we believe that it's not fables. We don't, we don't believe it's metaphors. We believe it's true. I, I had a guy come up to me a few years ago and he's trying to trick me or argue with me. And he says, do you really believe that there was really a guy called Jonah and that this guy Jonah 
disobeys God, gets on the wrong boat to the wrong place and, and the winds and the waves get wild and they throw him overboard and a fish eats him and brings him back to Nineveh to preach. Do you really believe that happened? Surely you just believe that that's metaphorical or a fable. You're talking to a Pentecostal preacher. It's, you're the, I'm the worst person to say that to because I'm getting fired up. My faith's rising even while well, he's telling me the story. And I, I said to him, brother, I don't just believe that it could happen. The Bible says God prepared a great fish. I don't know that he made more than one, but I know in that case, the Bible says he prepared a great fish. If you and I can customise a car, if Pastor Ken Fletcher can customise a Chimera, if... If you and I can customise a car and put rims on a car or, or, or get, get the thing a little bit more fired up, God can customise one of his fish. And he customised a fish to get a naughty evangelist from Tarshish back to Nineveh because he needed to get 120,000 people born again. God can make a custom-made fish if he can throw the stars into the sky. Yeah. Well, do you really believe that Moses stood in front of the Red Sea and lifted up his rod? Yeah, I do. Because the Bible says that there was a wind that blew on that water. That wind has a name, by the way. That's the Holy Ghost and part of the water. And the Bible says they all walked through on dry ground. Man, and when, and when Egypt tried to get in their miracle, what did God do? He baptised them and they were gonski. They were done. How, how, how many know uh, how, or how many believe that this thing is as it says it is? I, I, I believe every story in the Bible. I believe every promise in the book is, is mine. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. I tell our church, this thing is Jesus in a leather jacket. This thing's alive. I mean, this, this thing, it's got a pulse. You start reading it. The words on the page, they're, they're right there. They're waiting for your eyes to look at them so that they can leap off the page and into your spirit. Because when they leap into your spirit, oh man, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Oh, I love this. Oh man, this stirs my faith. I, some, some people say, well, do, do you ever have a quiet time? I can't. I mean, I have tried. How do you have a quiet time when you start opening the Bible and you read about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or his shack, my shack and a bungalow? <laughs> and you get in there and you start reading. <laughs> oh man, this church, there's an anointing of God in this church. I feel like anything could happen at Nations Church. You start, you start reading this thing and, and, and you read, oh, how many men Nebuchadnezzar said did we put in the fire? We put three in. How come I see four? Man, that fourth man, he looks like the son of God. How, how can you read that and go, yeah, glory to God, I'll underline that and come back to it later. <laughs> I need to take a few minutes and start to praise God and get, get a little bit loose. Why? Because if he can do it then, he can do it now. Oh, man, he's a saint. Come on, can you clap your hands and just help this preacher out this morning? He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Whatever location you're in, whether you're in this building or across WA, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the Bible says He broods over His Word to make it happen. This thing will never return void. It's alive, it's living, sharper than any two-edged sword. We believe the whole Bible. Just, just in case you, 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 you might be dancing with charismatic Pentecostal Christianity and go, oh, I'm more of a word person. So are we. This thing, it doesn't just contain truth, it is truth. Somebody said, oh, but you've got to look through the Bible with a 2023 lens. I tell people, no, you've got to look at 2023 through a Bible lens because this thing's breathed by God. 
Oh man, that's good news on a Sunday morning at 9. 44 and 35 seconds. Number two. For the two of you taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number two. Pentecostals believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I read from my text this morning, Acts 1 and 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You look at the ministry of Jesus. He didn't do one major miracle until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. Before that moment, he was still the Son of God. He was still God the Son. He was still Messiah. He was still Savior of the world, but he did not step into supernatural ministry until the Holy Ghost came upon him. That tells me that if Jesus saw fit to come under the anointing of God to do what God accorded him to do, how much more should you and I? We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the baptism in the Spirit. And we believe when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in tongues. This brother right here, you've got stripes on your shirt. I notice you're wearing Jordan Air Force Ones. They're, they're pretty awesome. Did you buy them yourself? You did? So you went to the shop. You bought those Jordan Air Force Ones. They're, what, they're like... They're, they're, well done. So you bought them. So you, you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not questioning that you stole them or anything like that. I just, I'm going somewhere with this. You're not getting a word of knowledge. I, 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 we'll leave that to Gary Morgan. He's really good. I, 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 I'm not as good as him. Um, but you, so you bought them from the shop. Yeah. Okay, so I noticed they've got tongues. Did you order those tongues when you bought the shoes? Or did they just come with the shoes? So when you put them on, you weren't going, oh, I didn't want tongues with these shoes. You were happy that they came with the shoes. See, when you get baptised in the Holy Ghost, it comes with tongues. You don't, you don't, you don't have to... You don't, oddly enough, ironically, my shoes don't have tongues. I've got my Baptist shoes this morning. <laughs> Pastor Ken's don't have tongues. He's got his Baptist shoes. Pastor Chrissy, she's got her heels on. Uh, they're Presbyterian shoes. You've got Pentecostal shoes. You've got Pentecostal shoes. They're barely shoes, but they're fantastic. <laughs> Some people go, do I have to speak in tongues if I get baptised in the Spirit? It's not a have to, it's a get to. You don't have to do anything, you get to speak in tongues. That's like getting saved going, well, do I have to go to heaven? (laughs) We advise it. (laughs) You're going to spend eternity somewhere, you might as well spend it non-smoking. I tell you, you want to, you want (laughs) to, it's like getting saved going, do I... Do I have to be forgiven? That's like tithing going, do I have to be blessed? That's like giving going, do I have to have good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over? That's the goodness of our God. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Do you believe that this morning? What about in Belmont? I can just see the excitement in your spirit. Maybe, by faith. I remember the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it. I was 15, 14. We had this South African evangelist by the name of Rodney Howard Brown come to Adelaide and held meetings in the entertainment centre. And my dad says, do you want to go to the revival meetings? I said, I said I've got school. He goes, well, you can not go to school and come to the revival meetings. So I thought, done. <laughs> I didn't know the revival meeting went longer than school. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have gone to school. So I go to this meeting. It was on a Thursday night. The fire fell. The preacher stops. And he goes, young man, I was sitting next to my dad. I was just sitting next to dad because that's where I was sitting. And he goes, young man, come here. 
He says, lift your hands to heaven. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. So I just did what he said. I lifted my hands, and as I did, the power of heaven. I hit the ground under the power of God, speaking in other tongues. It changed my life. And when the Spirit of God comes on you, praying in tongues, is that weird? It's a bit unusual. It's not the most normal thing we do around here. I'm not, we're not trying to promote it as the most normal thing we do. But can I tell you, you wouldn't be sitting in this building. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It's because the guys that got a vision from God to build this, they got it by the Holy Spirit and, and prayed it through and believed God. There's people sitting in here that are healed because somebody prayed in the Spirit. There, some of you are sitting here saved because someone prayed in tongues and prayed in the heavenlies until conviction filled your spirit and you got born again. Man, when I prayed, oh man, I, my tongue, my head, Head, my spirit are all moving in different directions right now. I feel, I feel like I, I just want to do a lap around the building to co- collect myself, but I'm just going to calm the farm for a minute and just say this, praying in the Holy Ghost. What a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says we speak mysteries under God. They are secrets to the initiated. In, in other words, we, we can pray in the spirit and, and, and we have end-to-end encryption. The devil can't get into... That's why when you pray in tongues, you stress the devil out. It's good because he, he doesn't know what you're saying. He, he, he doesn't know where you're coming from. He just knows at the end of it, he's getting a big smack in the right, in the right side of the head. And, and because he knows that every time that you and I do that, there's trouble for the kingdom of God. When you pray in tongues, the Bible says you edify yourself. People think that's just a spiritual, I build myself up spiritually. Yes, but yourself includes your body. So when you pray in tongues, healing anointing gets on your body. The touch of heaven. Praying in tongues. The, the, the greatest gift that God ever gave humanity was the blood of his son, Jesus. The greatest gift that God ever gave the church is the power and the baptism, the person, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, that's good news on a Sunday morning. And you know, that same power that was on Jesus is available to every person in the room today. Can you say, a, a, excuse me, a good amen? Number, number three, Pentecostals. Number three, we believe in the coming of the Lord. We believe that Jesus is coming back. And going by how things are going in the world right now, it could be this afternoon. I don't know what day is coming back. We don't know. Scripture's silent. The only thing we know is it's going to be a cloudy day. It's got to be at least two clouds. If it's one, not happening. Two, because he's going to, he's going to appear, the Bible says, in the clouds. There's got to be two. Uh, so you might not be living right. Sky's clear. It might be fine. Two clouds, repent. <laughs> you know, there's different views on the coming of the Lord. And, 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 and I, I can be in fellowship with, so, with, with all, all the views of people trying to understand when Jesus is coming back. None of us really know. That's why I think we all talk about it. But I grew up being taught about a moment called the rapture of the church where we'll be just minding our own business, the trumpet of God will sound and go, boop, and we're gone. In other words, the th- theology, I call it toot and scoot. <laughs> we hear the, tr- it's simple. And so we're just going to go and-, and be with the Lord. The trumpet of God's going to sound. The Bible says in, in Thessalonians, I-, I won't read the scripture because I just want to get to the end of this message so we can pray, but-, but-, but the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together, raptured with him in the clouds, and we'll always be with the Lord. And the Bible says, comfort one another with these words. 
find that so profound, Pastor Ken. Comfort one another with these words. In a, in a world where everyone's losing their mind full of fear, he says concerning the things that are to come, Matthew 25, do not be troubled. See that you're not troubled. In, in, in Thessalonians, comfort one another with these words. What's he trying to say? For the believer, the end of time is a time of victory, not a time of defeat. Jesus is coming back. You know, the rapture of the church, as I understand it, could happen at any time. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because Noah's ark, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. Noah's ark was fully loaded. The family were in the ark. Everyone was in the ark. The supplies, the animals, everything. And the Lord left the door open for seven days. Why did he leave it open? Because anyone who wanted to get on the ark could have. I believe we're living in that seven-day period where the door is still open, the supplies are in, everything's ready. Come for, now, for all things are now ready, the Bible says. But I believe he's kept the door open. So my mum, well, my mum is saved, but theoretically, my, my family, my, 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 my siblings, my, my extended family, my friends, there's still room on the ark, and Jesus says, come. And that's why I believe it hasn't happened yet. It's because he wants as many, he wills that none should perish. I don't know what your plan is for the rapture. I do have a rapture plan. In the event of the rapture, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab two unbelievers under each arm. I'll get to 30,000 feet and I'll say, repent or I will drop you. (laughs) That is a compelling evangelism strategy. People get full of fear. You've got people building bunkers under their house and buying a year's supply of baked beans. What a combination. What a... Talk about tribulation. That's the tribulation. <laughs> Some people say, how's the rapture going to happen? I, I've, I've heard a theory. I don't know if it's biblical, but it's very entertaining. <laughs> I've heard, and uh, again, Pastor Ken Fletcher told me this. <laughs> I hope everyone online and across the campuses are going okay with all this. I hope you're still with me. But apparently, and I'm not sure... Uh, there, there's a little box in heaven with a red button that's, with a sign on there, rapture. That's the rapture button. So one day, uh, God's just going to go, and then boom, we're, we're all just going to be raptured. That, that's, that's what I'm told. One day, about 5,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, one of the angels was cleaning the button. Just can get, it can get dusty. It's gold, gold dust, but cleaning it. And he just got tempted. He wasn't a fallen angel. So he didn't cross over into like the third that got kicked out. He's still in, but wouldn't call it sin. You'd call it curiosity. He just, he just, just gently touches the button. Like just, I mean, it wasn't even a press. It was just a touch. And the Bible says Enoch walked with God. <laughs> and he was no longer... So there's Enoch in heaven, no idea why he's there, just... And God says to this angel, what are you doing? He says, I'm so sorry. He goes, don't do it again. Enoch wasn't meant to be here. (laughs) 2,000 years later, the same angel. (laughs) He touched it. The Bible says Elijah was in a chariot. (laughs) And then... It just went up and never came back. So now you've got a chariot, you've got Elijah, a few horses all standing there in heaven. God's going, what are you doing? Elijah's going, I don't know. And and, 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 then, so 2,000 years later, 
Jesus is on top of the mountain. And he says, and I quote, Lo, I'll be with you always. That's what he says. Lo, I'll be with you always. Boom, Jesus is now in heaven. So that's how it's going to happen, apparently. Um, maybe not. But I, what I do know is that however it takes place, he'll be victorious. He'll be king of kings and lord of lords. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. If you believe that, can you clap your hands? It's, it's coming back. Jesus is alive. Oh, man, that's good news. I've got one more point. Number four. I just saw a whole section of people leave and then I realised hopefully that's the musicians. Yeah. <laughs> or they really don't like the rapture. It's one of the, one of the two. Thank God. I just saw them get up. I thought, oh no. Uh, praise God. Number four. <laughs> Pentecostals. We believe in miracles. Yeah. I, I don't know how you walked in today. But you can walk out healed by the power of God. You can, you can walk out well. You can walk out different. Whether you're in Port Kennedy, whether you're in Wangara, Belmont, Scarborough, Bunbury, wherever you might be, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, and you've all read it, he said, these signs will follow those who believe. He says, in my name you'll, you'll cast out demons, you'll speak with new tongues, you'll take up serpents, you'll, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, everything that Jesus said in Mark 16, we saw in Acts chapter 2, you'll cast out demons, Acts 16. You'll speak with new tongues, Acts chapter 2. You'll take up serpents, Acts chapter 28. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, Acts chapter 3. You see it fulfilled right there before our eyes, but, but it hasn't changed. We can still walk in that same power. And Jesus was called the great physician. Why was he called the great physician? Well, I heard one person say, well, he, he, he could operate in every area of medicine. He, the, the, the Bible tells us that uh, he turned water into wine. Well, that's medical research. <laughs> he healed the nobleman's son. He's a pediatrician. He healed many sick and oppressed evening. He was a GP locum. He healed a man with leprosy, dermatology. He healed a paralyzed servant in Capernaum. He wasn't in Capernaum at the time, but he healed him in Capernaum. That would be telehealth. He, 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 he healed a man with a paralyzed hand. He was an orthopedic hand surgeon. He raised a widow's son from the dead in name. That's a trauma surgeon. Healed a woman with an issue of blood. He was a hematologist. Raises Jairus' daughter back to life, pediatrician and oncology. He healed two blind men, ophthalmology. He healed a man who was unable to speak, otolaryngology. That took me ages to learn how to say that. He healed many sick at Gennesaret as they touched his garment. He was a GP. He healed a man with dropsy on the Sabbath, kidney specialist. He healed 10, lepers, healed 10 lepers on the way to Jerusalem, infectious disease specialist. My favourite, he healed a servant's severed ear while being arrested. Plastic surgery. He can do it all. He can do the whole thing. Whatever you need, God is able. I'll tell this story, then, then I'll... Then I'll, then I'll Finish. My dad, he preached at the conference a couple of years ago, I think. His name's Tim Hall. And he, he's, uh, he's a healing evangelist, been preaching. He's led two million people to Jesus in his meetings across the world in the last 45 years. And, and one night, I'm just a kid, and I go with him to this meeting. Maybe if Brother Keyboard can come. I, I think it was a guy. I, I didn't actually look. I just assumed. <laughs> you do have a beard. I think we're good, brother, brother keyboard. What's your name? Mitch. Mitch. We've got a keyboard player in our church called Mitch. 
What key are you going to play in? C. It's a total coincidence. I've been preaching in C the entire time. This whole, this whole message. So my dad's preaching in this church and he's doing the salvation call, giving people a chance to find Christ, which we'll do in just a moment. In every location, I'm believing people are going to find Jesus. And so he, he's doing the salvation call. And, and as he's trying to do it, this woman comes to the front just down here and she just starts fully dancing before God. And dad's like, you can't really do that during the salvation call. So he says, ma'am, would you sit down? I'm just trying to do the salvation altar call. And, and, uh, and, then, and then you can dance before the Lord when we close the service and do some worship, come back. And she goes, no. And he's like, ma'am, please sit down. I need to do the salvation call. And she said, no. He said, lady, would you sit down? She said, no. I've been sitting paralyzed in that wheelchair for 24 years. <laughs> so my dad goes, please continue. <laughs> Excuse me. In that service, that altar was packed with people finding Jesus. But I remember seeing that stuff as a kid. And then in our own church in Adelaide, we've had, you name a, a condition, we've seen miracles. The amount of times we've gone and prayed for somebody in hospital. And then they, they, the doctors never say they got it wrong. They just say, oh, no, nah, they, they, sorry, they'll never say we got it healed. They'll just say, oh, we can't explain. And, uh, but how many know we can explain? And I thank God for doctors. Praise God for them. I, I love a good doctor. Uh, they, they, they're, they're a blessing. Luke was a doctor. You need doctors. So I'm not saying, but so often they'll, they'll, they'll pragmatize the supernatural. I, I was flying on a plane next to a doctor, a surgeon. We flew to Dallas. We're just sitting next to each other on the plane. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a surgeon. He goes, what kind of church are you a part of? And I don't know why I answered it like this, but it just came out. I said, the assemblies of God. He goes, you're Pentecostal. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm an atheist. He goes, one thing that annoys me about you Pentecostals. I said, why is that? He goes, every time I've seen a medical reversal, it's, he said, without fail, it's been a Pentecostal. And I said, what do you mean by medical reversal? He goes, when someone comes in and we think they're going to die, but they somehow recover. He goes, it's an abnormality. It does happen from time to time. And I just got so excited. I said, brother, we, we have a name for that. He said, what's that? I said, a miracle. Yeah. We're Pentecostals, we believe that God heals the sick and turns things around. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.